And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back with another episode of the Startup Hustle. This is your host today, Matt Watson. Very excited to be joined today with Doug Ludlow from Main Street. He's going to tell us all about how to save money on our taxes. And as a, um, you know, startup or small company, we're always looking for tax credits and, and how to save money. And I've, I've taken advantage of some of those in the future. So I'm, I'm hoping he gives us some um, secrets today about how we can save more money on our taxes. Do want to remind everybody that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Equip Bids Auctions, your Midwest online auction marketplace to buy and sell stuff. Equip Bid provides dedicated support to affiliates in Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, and Iowa. Join the team and sell everything from heavy machinery to home goods, vehicles and boats to tractors and furniture. Go to equip-bid.me slash startup for details or just click the link in the show notes. Doug, welcome to the show, man. Hey, super happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So you are the CEO of Main Street. I guess, first of all, tell us a little bit about what, what does Main Street do? So uh, Main Street's pretty simple. We act almost as a bridge between startups and small businesses and the government, especially uh, specifically government tax credits and incentives. Uh, every year, like literally hundreds of billions of dollars are earmarked for incentives that you know people want to go to small businesses and startups. Right, it helps you know, stimulate the American economy. It's that small business growth that you know everyone, regardless of political parties, uh, you know excited about and interested in, in, in providing. And yet, because it can be difficult to discover these credits, difficult to claim, something like 97% of this goes unclaimed by startups and small businesses. And it's usually just the big guys, the Amazons, the Boeings that take advantage of this. So Main Street makes it super easy to discover uh, and collect these these tax credits and incentives. But you guys are not like an accounting firm or don't, don't do any of that kind of stuff. You just only deal, specialize with the, the tax credit. That, that's, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah, we are not an accountant. Uh, we're not an accounting firm. Uh, we work with companies and their accountants. We're, you can think of us like we're a, we're a software tool, right? Uh, we use the data. It, it actually works really cool. You, you connect your HR system. You connect your payroll. You connect your uh, accounting. And we use the signals embedded there uh, to use that to intelligently match you with credits, right? Uh, do all the legwork. It's the type of thing to where... Most accountants do not do this work because they're not trained. Uh, your average small business or startup accountant actually doesn't know how to file the R&D credit. Doesn't know, you know, there's a long list of credits that most accountants don't do. Uh, so we have the, the, uh, really the, the, the platform that takes care, of, takes care of that for you and your accountant. So how did, how did you guys get started doing this? So like when was uh, Main, Street was, Main Street was started three years ago? Sounds like you grow, guys have grown very rapidly. And yeah. where you were one of the, the founders? I am. So I uh, founded CEO and really we spent the first, yeah, we, we started three, almost exactly three years ago, October 2nd, 2019. And the first six months were spent really trying out a lot of different ideas. Uh, the mission's always been from the, from the day, from day one, 
to help create jobs and opportunity for those who don't have it, right? I, but we, we tried a lot of different uh, concepts. And one of the big ones was, hey, can we get people to move out of big cities and bring their startups or bring their small businesses to uh, rural and suburban areas? I uh, thought, how do you, you know, this is before COVID, before that became a, a very popular thing to do. Yeah, uh, We were kind of hipsters on that front. Uh, but, you know, during that process, we learned all about this giant invisible network of local incentives, you know, $10,000 to move to Tulsa, Oklahoma, you know, $10,000 moved to Vermont or these different, you know, you know, 10% back for doing, you know, R&D in a state. And, you know, we recognized that there's this huge multi-hundred billion dollar uh, network that exists of government credits and incentives that, you know, you're just going to miss out because you don't exist. And that was a big opportunity. We went, we did not start out trying to do tax credits, uh, but very clearly that became what the resonated with customers, with the market. And yeah, we've grown. Uh, we launched this version of the product about two and a half years ago, maybe uh, in July. It was July 22nd, uh, 2020. And growth has been very strong. It's been, uh, it's been a bit nuts. So the tax credit portion of it that you've been doing for the last two and a half years was actually kind of a pivot. That wasn't the original idea. That was a pivot. I think we when, we, we often say like we would remain true to our mission the whole time, uh, you know, helping create jobs and opportunity. But I, uh, oh no, the, the, this is, this probably was the fourth or fifth idea we tried in those first six months. I'm a big believer that, you know, the idea you have when you start, odds are it will not be the idea that scales. Uh, and you have to be really flexible in those early days, figure out what are, you know, what are, what's the market actually saying? What are customers actually saying? Uh, you know, we're not dealing with something that requires deep, deep, deep research before it's viable, right? This is not a, a drug, right? This is not a deep piece of technology. Uh, so really it's a, it's a market risk and you have to pivot and move fast until you get there. So what was the very first idea? The very first idea was just had to do with creating jobs. Uh, you're going to laugh at the very first idea. I, uh, it was to create a suburban and rural version of WeWork. Uh, actually, like co-working okay. for the suburbs. The idea is, you know, wouldn't it be great in rural cities to have a place where you know, startup founders can go, uh, have all the same access to, you know, creative talent, jobs, you know, recruiting, et cetera, that you get in, in the cities. And, you know, we got excited about doing this. I, gr I grew up in a city called Modesto, which is kind of the middle of California Central Valley, pretty much agricultural. Uh, and they, can, they actually could use something like this, a remote work hub. So we, we kicked that off. And uh, of course, it was at the same time that WeWork was trying to go public, totally tanked uh, <laughs> and kind of killed for a couple of years, the co-working industry, a lot of their competitors yeah. of business. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so we, we very quickly, I was like, we are not going to be doing this business. Uh, no one's going to want to fund this. But we kept that spirit of like, how do we create jobs and went through a couple different things. Well, I think this is great. I think it's great for the listeners because a lot of times what, you know, what we start um, from our business idea, you know, along, along the way there, we, we learn and we adapt and pivot and change. And yeah. it's kind of like my last company, my, my goal had to do with helping software developers, um, monitor and do troubleshooting for applications that they were supporting. Yeah. And the original way that I thought I would solve that problem. And then eight years, eight years go by and the way that we originally, you know, we eventually did, it was a little different. Right. Totally. So, um, and, and, uh, you know, a lot of startup journeys are that way. And so I think that's why it's great to really highlight that. So I think what I would love to know is how, did, so how did you, how did you come to this point at Main Street? Like, what did you do before Main Street that kind of led you to here? Sure. So I, I, I've kind of always been an entrepreneur, if that makes sense. I, like, I don't love the word entrepreneur. 
Uh, but you know, started when I was a kid. You know, I ran a lawn mowing business back in the day. Sold candy door to door that I made uh, in college. I started a, uh, a a textbook import business. We'd import them from overseas, sell them here uh, for a significant discount. I I did go to college for history and political science. I thought I was going to be a lawyer. I got a job in politics after I college thinking I was going to law school. I'm really, really glad I didn't. Nothing against lawyers, but it just wouldn't have been for me. I actually got into got into the technology startup bug, you know, really soon after college. I started a, a almost you call it a side project, a, a company with a friend that absolutely went nowhere. I but from then on, so really the last gosh, 16 years, been going back and forth between you know starting a company and then going to a big company, right? Starting a company or working for someone else's startup. I I've had some successes. I've had some failures along the way. Uh, and it, it's really given me the, I think the opportunity now at Main Street to have seen, you know, what is it like day one at a company, right? Uh, what, what are all the things you have to do? I've also seen, you know, Google and, and actually Google's ads team. I was, I was at Google right before I came here. I was, I was the chief of staff for Google's small business ads unit. It's like this $20 billion ad unit. So I got to see what a company looks like when it's functioning really well at scale. I also was, uh, my, one of my companies was acquired by AOL years ago, but it was a, the AOL that was in the middle of like declining across the board. Uh, so it was interesting to watch what does it feel like in a company where uh, things aren't going well and what are those signs? So all that's, you know, you, you put that all in a blender and things serve me really well for what I'm doing at Main Street now. How do you, how do you stay scrappy yet built for scale? How do you track when, you know, things are going right, et cetera. So it's uh, been a long road, but uh everything I learned along the way is, you know, is serving me now. So if I'm an entrepreneur and I'm listening to this right now, what should I be thinking about um, in regards to the ty- types of tax credits? Sure. So for example, I think R&D tax credit is probably one of the most common ones. And mm-hmm. uh, one of my companies was able to take advantage of that. Um, but I'd love, you know, love to hear more from you about the, the various types of tax credits that um, are, are common that people should definitely know about. Sure. Well, there's two whole different categories of tax credits. One are credits that uh, the company can uh, access for itself and others that uh, employees can benefit from, uh, but through their connection to the company. And so I'll okay. talk about that. Uh, so yeah, on the, the company side, uh, the R&D tax credit is huge, right? And it's still underutilized. It's something that you know was started in 1981, uh, primarily as a way to help American aerospace companies during the Cold War maintain an advantage, right, in an edge. And it's, it's grown over the last 40 years, has expanded uh, to cover software companies and, uh, you know, really become more and more accessible to small businesses and startups. In fact, it changed in 2016 uh, to where companies can get, you know, R&D tax credit applied to the payroll tax, which means you save even if you're not profitable. Uh, so the R&D, you know, it's, if you're a, if you're a startup, if you're a small business that does anything technological or anything new, uh, it's a great credit to use. And there's actually 56 different state credits available in 38 different states uh, that actually mimic the R&D, the federal R&D program. So that sounds have, that sounds like a nightmare to keep track of. Well, that's what we do as a business. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it, it is, it, it, one way to think about Main Street is we're kind of like plaid, but for tax credits, right? Plaid, you know, it's really hard to integrate with all these banks. They do it for you. We're actually very similar in that, you know, we're trying to bring order to this 
kind of crazy chaotic, uh, but incredibly valuable system. So yeah, start start with R and D. It's it will likely be one of your larger credits, especially in your early days. What what else is there? Any other great kind of business? You said, you, know, you said there were employee specific and then business specific. Let's Are there other good examples of the, the business? Well, let's talk about business specific, right? I, if you're like most businesses, I, you're going to invest uh, some money every year in actually making sure that your uh, your company is uh, you know can be used by people with disabilities. So there's a disabled access credit to where you're actually able to get about 50% back of what you spent. Uh, you're making sure your website's more accessible, making sure your physical uh, building's more accessible. Uh, you know, there's something called the work opportunity tax credit. That's a collection of actually nine different subcredits that come from hiring people from uh, disadvantaged backgrounds or people who struggle. For example, if you're a veteran or a wounded veteran, or if you're someone uh, who's used public assistance, et cetera, uh, yeah, there's, there's a significant amount of capital to, to hire and employ uh, these people. So uh, the, the list kind of goes on and on uh, on the tax credit side. There, there, there still is a few remaining, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, COVID tax credits, the employee retention credit. Uh, there's a actually a credit you can get for giving your, your employees time off to get vaccinated or to, to recover from COVID. Uh, those, of course, are going away as COVID, you know, kind of recedes. But if you look at, yeah, on the uh, uh, start with 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 R&D, try to make sure you're, you're checking for Watsi, the work opportunity tax credit. Uh, those combined can save you literally hundreds of thousands of dollars per year. Well, and so my my last company was based in the state of Kansas, and we were able to take advantage of something called the Peak Program, which I think stood for like promoting em- employment across Kansas. I think it's what it's for. Sure, but um, I, I think a lot of states have similar programs to like that, and it it had to do with like we it was primarily based on where you were like leasing a new office space and like how many jobs you'd be creating in that office or in that location, and and you'd get some like state matching funds or, or state uh, credits on what you would normally pay like employment sure. tax on the state, the state contribution or whatever. And, um, but it, it was cool. We, I mean, we took advantage of that and um, that, that was uh, a big advantage for us. And are there a lot of States that do those kind of like just create creating jobs in the state or creating jobs in the city kind of stuff too? There are literally thousands of them. Okay. Like literally thousands. And you know, it's it's our vision. We'll eventually have them all on the platform someday. Uh, they're all pretty one off at this point, though. So it's it's not like things you can standardize well. But no, there's there's some fantastic programs, especially in states that are trying to compete for for credit. Right, California and New York, they already have plenty of people coming. They don't really do much there. But yeah, uh, I mean, for example, this, cities do. The city of Sacramento has a whole program where if you come in. Uh, set up an office or a, a, a store in downtown uh, Sacramento, you get a hundred thousand uh, dollars for doing that and employing uh, a 10 people over the, over three. Wow. Months, right? No, it's kind of nuts uh, across yeah. the board, but Hey, for them, it increases the tax base. Uh, it helps stimulate the economy. It's a far better way to, to do so. Uh, no, all across the board uh, in, in many states, actually Utah is one of the Utah and Oklahoma are two of the best states for promoting these type of pro, uh, programs. Again, you look at one of the comp- one of the states that are aggressively trying to build, especially technology businesses uh, and technology industries. You look at like Utah and you know what you see in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, it's kind of models for the rest of of the country who's trying to compete. Really, I think more of these things should exist, not less. Uh, 
you know, if we're up to meet my hometown, Modesto, you know, I, I live in the Bay Area now, you know, what what would it be worth to have incentivize a startup with 100 people before? Yeah. Was it to incentivize Google to start hiring engineers there, right? Uh, what that will do for your economy over the next 50 years is pretty extraordinary. Well, so I'm I'm living in Kansas City, and actually this whole topic is is actually been a big topic from a business perspective for a long time because the state line goes right down Kansas City. There is yeah, sure. there is the Missouri part of it and the Kansas part of it, and most people, a lot of people, actually work in a city called Overland Park, Kansas, and that area, and there are lot of jobs there so we had headquarters of like sprint which is now t-mobile and there's a lot of jobs there but the problem is is all these companies just fight this stupid war this war and go back and forth over the state line which it's not it's not the same as like oh you're in san francisco and you get some tax credits if you move to portland like it's a big damn deal to move to portland or something right we're here it's like literally like one mile like, it, it mean, you yeah, just I, I rented an office like just down the street and all of a sudden I get a bunch of tax credits. And and so here it's actually been a big problem and a hindrance. And actually, I think the states kind of um, called it off eventually. So I think like two or three years ago, the states finally said, look, we're going to do these tax credits. But if you're moving from Missouri to Kansas, you can't get them. If you move from anywhere else, <laughs> you can get them. They, they finally had to call off the war because it was like an insane war that was going on where we live or just no, jumping back and forth over the border. I've, I've heard about that exact uh, that exact problem. Uh, and it, I mean, it, it's kind of funny, but also is a huge waste of everyone's time and resources. Yeah. Because right? you're not simulating anything. Uh, it know, wasn't creating anything at that point because we're the people lived wherever they lived, like our employees lived wherever they lived. It didn't even matter, you know. You're, you're starting to see a shift to smarter incentives. I mean, probably one of the worst uh, cases for the last 10 years was Scott Walker, and I believe it's Wisconsin with uh, this Foxconn plant. And Wisconsin pledged, I believe, something like $100 million to this, maybe even more, and ended up creating a few dozen jobs, right? Uh, it's one of those, it's kind of those last, you know, last waves of old school, hey, we're going to get, government's going to put hundreds of millions of dollars up, Uh a lot of those type of incentives get washed away. What's the inter- and an interesting thing about modern technology though is now that you you know now that your HR systems uh, are smart, right? They're like cloud based. You can actually track our incentives. Actually hiring people is this actually working? You know, can you? Uh, I can see every dollar I'm spending incentives eventually trickling through and oh that resulted in X amount of jobs. Uh, so you're able to be far more target. Uh, uh, tax credits and incentives now in a way you couldn't before, and that's thanks to this, you know, this, uh, this smart the rise of smart business tools. It's it's kind of cool. Hopefully, government will waste less money and instead incentivize uh, in hyper targeted ways that was simply impossible to do before. Well, as a reminder, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Equip Bids Auctions, an online marketplace dedicated to growing small auction businesses. They're solving problems and providing a fun re-commerce or liquidation shopping experience to valued bidders, go check out their incredible offerings and sign up at equip-bid.me slash startup or look for the uh, link in the show notes. So you also mentioned incentives to the employees. Yep. And I've heard about some of those. You mentioned Tulsa earlier. And uh, I'm from Kansas City. Tulsa's not very far away. It's a couple hours away. I'm actually from Oklahoma myself. And... Um, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I think you hear this, especially for like things like doctors, right? Like rural doctors and things where like 
there's some little city out in the middle of nowhere that has like no doctor and they're like, Hey, we will pay your student loans. Just come live here. That's right. <laughs> right? right. So that's a whole wave of, 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 of incentives. Right. And told the Tulsa remote program is probably one of the best examples of the, being the first or one of the first, you know, we'll pay you $10,000 to take your remote job and move to Tulsa. I, uh, it's interesting to see how these things are going to shake out in the post-COVID world to where most many companies are now totally fine with uh, or taking a remote job. Uh, you, it used to be something that was a little exotic, not necessarily something that was uh, stable. Now that most, or many, many companies, not most, but many companies are allowing uh, you to be remote, uh, I think you're going to see a, a massive rise in these type of programs to where if I can now start to compete for awesome employees who make a lot of money, the multiplying effect uh, is huge. There's there's a there's probably different thirty or forty different states and cities that offer some variation on this program. Uh, my guess is that the numbers are going to go up. It's generally, it was ten thousand uh, dollars. You know, what's it going to do to you know, for example, attract that high paying engineering lead or that to your point that doctor? Uh, that's a whole wave of relocation incentives that's huge. Uh, well, I think there's definitely a wave of. Um, at least those who have the types of jobs that they can work remote of of moving out of these more congested areas. And, and actually, yes. Mike, our, our company Full Scale in the Philippines is a great example of this. Most of our employees are in Cebu City and and most of them would, you know, spend over an hour a day just commuting one way to the office. Sure. And um, all of our employees were required to work in the office. And once COVID happened and all that, we went remote and honestly never thought we would do that. We were kind of anti-remote before it started. Sure. And now everybody works remote. And so everybody saves probably two hours a day in commute time. Ish. And a lot of our employees have since then moved. Like now they're, they went to the other side of the island or a different island. They're living with their family out kind of in the countryside, like literally on the beach. <laughs> and they just work remotely for us writing code, right? Not and bad. that's awesome. Now that sounds a little better than going to Tulsa. Oh, I, I, I take the the beach over over Tulsa, but it just goes to show. Like I think we're going to continue to see a lot more of that um, with remote. And I work remote. The company I work for, I work remote, and wherever I work for next will be remote. I have no interest in working in an office. I love working remote. Sure, and you'll start to see that the smart cities, the smart states, will start incentivizing that, uh, especially for people early in their careers. If you can grab someone when they're wanting to start their first company or if they're right out of, you know, business school or, or really whatever, like how great would it be to help them set roots as remote employees somewhere that, uh, you know, you, you might not traditionally be able to move to. For example, Bend, Oregon has been uh, something like the, the population has spiked over the last three years because it's swarmed by people wanting to live in a beautiful area uh, yeah. and have a remote job. Like this, you're seeing that's that's why Miami had such a huge wave. Of, of yes, people moving there because again, Miami is a cool place to live. Uh, it's not cheap, but it's cool. Uh, and the smart cities will take advantage of that. You know what you need to do? You need to start a company that does co working in these smaller cities. Hey, if, if only someone, had <laughs> that. I actually think that there's you know, I fortunately, you know, thank, thankfully, we're on to something pretty good right now. But I think now that would be a huge opportunity, uh, for someone to start. Uh, you'd make a lot of money. At, at some point, I like working remote, but it would be nice, you know, once a week to meet up with some colleagues or whatever. And, you know, a lot of us spend most of our time um, with our coworkers. Like those are some of the best friends we make like in real life. Right. So I think that is the one part of this that a lot of us will miss from from working remote is 
not having those same personal relationships with coworkers. I, I agree. So tell me a little more about your platform. So, uh, so you're saying if I use paychecks, I use QuickBooks, I, you know, I use common accounting and payroll systems, you know, and there, there's a lot of them, but so, so your guys' system is able to just like plug into the data feeds of those and then somehow magically tell me and all the employees how we could be getting these tax credits. That's exactly right. Sounds like uh, magic. So it's, it's the type of thing, you, you know, when we're raising money, venture capitalists always ask the why now question, right? Like why could Main Street, why is now the time right for Main Street? And, you know, five to 10 years ago, we couldn't have done this because your HR systems and your businesses were dumb. They didn't talk to each other. They were, you know, they're not cloud-based. Here, though, the fact that like over the last five years, pretty much any modern company is going to use a Gusto or a Rippling, or a QuickBooks Payroll, or a Zeros, you know, one of those uh, you know, platforms that actually starts to talk to each other, right? So what we're able to do is our, our, our first breakthrough, you can go and pull all the data, uh, start parsing it, and do all the things that, you know, an accountant will had to do manually, but we can save basically 100% of that time. It's all done automated, right? So we've already cut out, you know, we're already infinitely faster than an accountant on that uh, side. And now that we've seen thousands and thousands of companies go through, we start to see like, we, we can start making suggestions based on companies like yours uh, do certain things. And it gets more and more sophisticated. So it, it does feel like magic, uh, but really it's just because technology is smart now and we're able to leverage that. So do you have any good stats on how much the average small business can get in tax credits and government uh, incentives? There's a wide range, right? I. Uh, because it depends a billion on billion dollars. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so our average company right now saves about a hundred thousand dollars a year on the platform. Wow. Uh, well, but though we are our, our main target market, our companies, there's we call them like tech, technology oriented, growth oriented small businesses. So we don't. I mean, we can work with anyone, but we focus specifically on those people who are tech savvy and looking to grow. So startups fall into that category. You know, small business owners who want to grow their business and, and you know leverage technology, uh, and that works well because uh, you know we're able to tap into R and D credits. We're able to tap into hiring credits. There's a lot of things we're able to do there. Uh, so the average, if you're a you know tech oriented startup, yeah, you're looking at hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you're a small business though, this is something like a true mom and pop. Watsi is your best bet, the Work Opportunity Tax Credit, because that's something to where, for example. I that I mentioned that the it's the uh, program that helps employ people who may struggle to get jobs. About fifty percent of all people employed by restaurants qualify for this, right? So a restaurant, you know, you're looking at twenty four hundred dollars to ninety six hundred dollars uh, per employee, right? Restaurants could pay a huge amount, like if, if they're tapped in properly, can save an enormous amount of money, right? Uh, using the the Watsi credit alone. So I guess my point is, it really depends on what type of company you're. But almost any company, so long as you are either hiring or uh, doing certain types of activities like growing uh, or investing in R&D, everyone should be able to save literally thousands of dollars per year. What you, what you on the company side, you won't really be able to save is if you're not hiring anyone, if you're not growing, if you're very comfortable being just you know, where you are, because the government wants to incentivize hiring and growth and development, right? That's where the money is. Uh, on the flip side, though, what's the... The thing that actually, we, we, I think I skipped skipped this, employees can now take advantage of a ton of credits 
that are connected with their employers. For example, I, your employer can now pay tax-free your student loans for you, right? So, you know, up to $5,500 per year. So you're saving, let's say 30% of your income usually goes to taxes. So you'd be saving $1,600 per year if you had your employer uh, pay rather than you. So it's, there, there's uh, things like that for childcare. There's things like that for commuter tax benefits. Uh, the list goes on and on. And when you start to add in those, any employee across the country, small business or big business, should be taking advantage of those. Uh, we call them cooperative credits because you can't claim it as you're on your own as an individual. Your business can't claim it by itself. It really is at that intersection of cooperation between the business and the employee. So that's that, you know, it's not going to save your business that much. The great thing is that your business no longer has to pay payroll tax on that. So you're going to save about 10% there. Uh, but it's so great. Let me, so let me ask, th- ask you this. So my, uh, the company I work at now, we have like 50 or 60 employees or something like that, but we've hired probably 30 of those this year. Is it too late to take advantage of some of this or are some of this yeah. still retroactive that like, you know, we could still get some benefit from the people we already hired or hundred oh, percent, like hundred percent. So I, and it depends on which program, right. But anyone, you know, for example, I, I will, in fact, we should, we should, we should talk afterwards and sign up for main street, see like which of these employees are doing, you know, supporting or conducting or supervising research and development, which yeah. of these employees you can, you know, uh, see if they apply, fall, get any, ta- if they qualify for any tax credits. And then a hundred percent of these employees, if they have student loans, you know, you can pay that. If they have childcare, you can pay that. There's a lot of things you can do there. So I, I love the student loan one. So that's not necessarily where is the company, like I'm going to all my employees and saying, oh, I'm giving everybody $5,000 a year for free, but it, it could also be something they just opt into as an employee right. to say, so the employee, it's sort of like, hey, instead of getting direct deposit, I want to take 10% of my money and do this with it or something. That's, they could do something like that. It's, 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 it's called a pre-tax benefit, right? It's very mm-hmm. similar to a 401k or like a health savings plan, right? Things to where it gets deducted as your income pre-tax, right? Uh, and so you sign in the background a salary reduction agreement. It's the same exact thing you do when you pay, do an HSA or a uh, 401k. But awesome. it, this, this world has exploded. I'd actually argue it's the fastest growing type of tax incentive uh, because it's, you know, it lives that intersection of business and uh, an employee. And because program uh, platforms are now smart, right? It comes a lot easier for the employer to implement something like this. You just flip a switch uh, and everyone starts to save money. It's, it's really powerful. So if 10, so basically if 10 of my employees did this and that went to $50,000 a year in student loans, I would basically save as a company, you know, maybe 10, 20, percent or whatever it would be that the company would have paid in taxes right. on that money. So, and they so not say, only does it save me money, but also saves the employee money. In the end, you'll, you'll say like counting like your, per, like your company's benefit and plus your employee's benefit, you'll basically get 40% back on average in the end because you'll get 10% as the company and they'll get about 30%. It's, it's shocking. And this is the reason like our business exists. No one takes advantage of this or yeah. very few people do, right? I never heard of it till today. No, I'm learning. I'm learning new stuff today. <laughs> this is good. And, and there's all sorts of things like we're talking about remote work. There's if you set up an accountable plan for your employees, certain expenses uh, can be paid for tax free, like you know, internet for for home uses, home office usage. There's a long list. You have to be careful to not you know that you're categorizing everything correctly. But uh, 
there's a lot of incentives that just people don't take advantage of. So how does Main Street make money? How do, how do you guys make money from what you're doing here? We don't make money unless you do. So we have, you know, unlike accountants or consultants who, you know, they have to pay for their time. So they're going to charge you, a, you know, upfront guaranteed can cost you thousands of dollars or something like this. What we do is it's a 20% success fee. For every dollar we find you that you weren't going to get otherwise, we get 20%. Along with that, we provide full audit uh, protection. If anything goes wrong, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be there to support you and uh, cover 100% of errors we might make. Uh, we set you up with you know a ton of all the... We basically handle all the ongoing work that you'd have to pay an accountant or a consultant to do throughout the year. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a win-win model. We only make money if uh if you make money well that's awesome so do you do you also hold our hand so so if i go back and say hey we need to do this r&d r&d tax credit no idea what that hell that means or how to do it <laughs> sure. do, you, do you guys like help with like holding our hand and like going through the process like how, how much do you help with that part of it so we try to make it as much uh, as automated as possible but by automated we mean user-friendly and easy for you to use if you have any questions along the way though we do have an accountant an accounting team that can answer questions and provide guidance again for free as part of the uh, the service. So it's uh, you know this is one of those things to where we can technologically, in fact, you can go through without ever talking to a human being. But given that it's taxes and people don't understand it, I think people are pretty comforted to find that you know if they have a question, they'll have an expert uh, right at their fingertips. Well, I don't know about you, but taxes is the thing I don't want to screw up. So I appreciate that you guys provide good customer service for that. We try. We try. Well, so what is your best advice for startup funders right now struggling um, with with the economic crisis that, that is going? Do you see is, is what you guys are doing, does, does that something that can help with the economic crisis and, and kind of what, what we're seeing going forward here? Oh, it can certainly help, right? You should take advantage of you know, if there's tax credits that you can get, you should get them, right? Uh, but it's not going to, I think tax credits by themselves will not, you know, fundamentally change the trajectory of your business, right? So this is a, in addition to grab whatever discounts you can on on software, on uh, on tax credits, et cetera, really, I think just controlling burn for the next six to 12 months while we're in the middle of this crisis that, that's by far the most important thing you can do, right? Focus on, you know, proper unit economics. You know, if you're a startup, you know, small businesses have to, that aren't funded by VCs are by their nature more disciplined because, you know, it's usually out of the owner's pockets or if there's investment, it's from friends and family. You don't want to blow it. Uh, so traditional small businesses tend to be more disciplined. Startups though, you know, during a bull market, you're not encouraged to be disciplined. You're encouraged to spend. So, so many of these companies now are stuck in a, I'm so used to spending $5 million a month. What do I do? And I can't do that. So I, I guess my, my advice would be, you know, go through, cut what you can, uh, save heavy growth for later and focus on efficiency and uh, you'll be well served to make it through the the downturn. You'll, you'll probably well, emerge as one of those great businesses. Well, and it, it sounds like um, some, some companies can save a lot of money on the, on the tax credit side that there's, there's some hidden money there that uh, they might find in their, couch cushions that they, they didn't know was there. So I think very much so. that's, yeah, that's really awesome. Well, once again, this episode of startup hustle was sponsored by our friends over at, at equip bid auctions. 
join, sell, and earn. It's that easy with Equipbit Auctions. Become an affiliate and start to grow your independent business by visiting equip-bid.me slash startup today. Even easier, head to startuphustle.xyz, click on our partners page. You'll see Equipbit's founder, founder Andy, has everything set up for you to go make some money. Go build your business within a business. Well, um, Doug, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, curious if you have any, you know, last uh, nuggets of wisdom for our listeners out there as an entrepreneur. You know, any any other final tips or advice? Don't help you about taxes. Be about anything. Sure. Something I say a lot is to avoid the illusion of progress. Right, being a founder is really hard, and you're you're the what you choose to spend your time on really needs to be the you know stuff that actually moves the needle. Like it's really easy to spend a lot of time talking about things that you know. For example, spending way too much time figuring out, hey, what what do we want to have in our office, or what color should this you know part of the logo be, etc. You know, and maybe sometimes that's important, but it's so easy to fill your plate with stuff that keeps you busy, but it's not actually moving the needle. It's what I call the illusion of progress, like when you're busy all day long, but you step back and go, I didn't actually accomplish anything. I think I've found that my most effective times as a leader and as a founder, or maybe where I do one key thing a week even, but it's the, it is the thing that mattered above all else, right? You'll, you'll find as a startup founder, you know, maybe one or two things you do actually has a huge impact, but we, uh, and you should, you shouldn't rank those equally with uh, other things. Avoid the illusion of progress. Make sure that, you know, Money, you can always raise more money or get more money or so you can't get more time. Uh, that is your most precious resource as a, as a CEO, as a founder. Yeah, I think a lot of people fall into the trap of of feeling like they're busy, but they're not necessarily productive. 100%. Right? And and that's, that's the thing. Agreed. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Again, this was Doug Ludlow with Main Street, and that is MainStreet.com, right? That's right. So... Um, so if somebody wants to sign up and give this a try and honestly not sure why they, why they don't, this is a <laughs> sure. new sponsor from you guys, but it sounds like an amazing opportunity. They just go to mainstreet.com and is it all um, pretty automated, like setting, like hooking things up to like cookbooks and on gusto and all those things like that, or do they set up a call with you guys and go through a big process or how does that work? You can totally go and sign up on your own. You can also sign up to talk to an account executive who can walk you through the process. We want to make it self-service as we can, but it's complicated. It can be scary. So uh, we also have people who can walk you through. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Doug. Hey, truly my pleasure. All right. Thank you. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.